Chapter 16 of The Story of My Life and Work. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Andrew Kennedy. The Story of My Life and Work by Booker T. Washington. Chapter 16 The Visit of President W. M. McKinley to Tuskegee. Soon after starting the Tuskegee Institute, I earnestly desired to have the President of the United States visit it. The chance of securing such a visit seemed to be so unattainable that I dared not mention it to my nearest friend. Still, I resolved that such a visit should be made. The more I thought of it, the more I became convinced that there was but one way to secure the attention and the interest of the President of the United States, and that was by making the institution so useful to the country that the attention of the President would necessarily be attracted to it. From the first day that the school was opened, I tried to impress upon teachers and students the fact that by reason of our former condition of servitude and prejudice against our color, we must try to perform every duty entrusted to us, not only as well, but better than anyone else, so as to receive proper consideration. Today, this is the spirit which pervades the entire school. We strive to have our students understand that no possible prejudice can explain away the influence of a negro living in a nicely painted house with well-kept flower yards, gardens, farm, poultry, and livestock, and who is at the same time a large taxpayer in his county. After nearly 18 years of work and struggle, I was more than ever determined to secure a visit from the highest official of my country, not only that he and the members of his cabinet might see what ex-slaves had accomplished in the way of building an institution of learning, but also for the sake of the encouragement that such a recognition from the nation's chief executive would give the whole Negro race in America. In October 1898, I saw it mentioned in several newspapers that President McKinley was likely to visit the Atlanta Peace Jubilee in December. I went at once to Washington, and was not there a great while before I found my way to the White House. There was quite a crowd of people in the various reception rooms, many of whom had been waiting some time for an audience with the President. The size of the crowd somewhat discouraged me, and I concluded that my chances of seeing the President were very slim. I at once sought the Secretary to the President, Mr. J. Addison Porter and very frankly told him my errand. Mr. Porter kindly sent my card in to the President, and in a few minutes Mr. McKinley permitted me to see him. After a most interesting conversation regarding the condition of the colored people in the South, in which he manifested his interest in their development, the President told me that, in case he saw his way clear to go to Atlanta in December, he would try hard to go to Tuskegee which is a hundred and forty miles beyond Atlanta. At that time he did not make his promise final, but asked me to see him later. 
by the middle of the following month the president had definitely promised to attend the peace jubilee at atlanta georgia december fourteenth and fifteenth i went again to see the president this time mr charles w hare a white citizen of tuskegee accompanied me and assisted in showing the president the importance of making such a visit while the question was being discussed with cabinet officers one of the oldest and most influential white citizens of atlanta one who had been a large slaveholder and who is now an active democrat stepped into the room the president asked this gentleman's opinion of the wisdom of his making this visit and as to his going one hundred and forty miles out of the way to visit such an institution this atlanta citizen replied that it was the thing to do the reply was made without hesitation between my two visits that active and most constant friend of the negro race dr j l m curry agent of the peabody and slater funds hearing of my desire to have a visit from the president made a personal call upon mr mckinley without my knowledge and urged him to make the visit i will not prolong the story except to add that before the day of my last visit was over the president definitely decided to spend the greater part of the day of december sixteenth in visiting the tuskegee institute in connection with this visit i had to call upon the president three or four times at the white house and at all times i found him kind patient and most cordial apparently forgetting of the differences in our history the time of my last visit was but a few days after the election riots of that year in north and south carolina when the colored people throughout the country were feeling gloomy and discouraged i observed by the tenor of the president's remarks that he felt keenly and seriously for the race notwithstanding a large number of people were waiting to see him he detained me some twenty minutes discussing the condition and needs of my race in the south when i told him that i thought a visit from the president of the united states at that time to a negro institution would do more than almost anything else to encourage the race and show to the world in what esteem he held the race he replied that he was determined to show his interest in us by acts rather than by mere words and that if i thought his visit to tuskegee would permanently help the race and the institution he would most gladly give up one day of his administration to visit tuskegee the morning of december sixteenth came and at eight o'clock the president mrs mckinley with members of his cabinet their families besides several distinguished generals including general shafter general joseph wheeler general lawton and others arrived on special trains from atlanta invitations had been extended to governor joseph f johnston of alabama and his staff and they were present the alabama legislature also was invited and it adjourned and came to tuskegee in a body in all more than six thousand visitors came the morning was spent in an inspection of the grounds and in witnessing a parade of all the works of the school religious academic and industrial represented on floats this over we went to the large chapel where the president members of his cabinet the governor and others spoke a few extracts from the addresses of the president 
secretary of the navy long and postmaster general smith in commendation of tuskegee's work may be of interest the president said teachers and pupils of tuskegee to meet you under such pleasant auspices and to have the opportunity of a personal observation of your work is indeed most gratifying the tuskegee normal and industrial institute is ideal in its conception and has already a large and growing reputation in the country and is not unknown abroad i congratulate all who are associated in this undertaking for the good work which it is doing in the education of its students to lead lives of honor and usefulness thus exalting the race for which it was established nowhere i think could a more delightful location have been chosen for this unique educational experiment which has attracted the attention and won the support even of conservative philanthropists in all sections of the country to speak of tuskegee without paying special tribute to booker t washington's genius and perseverance would be impossible the inception of this noble enterprise was his and he deserves high credit for it he was the enthusiasm and enterprise which made its steady progress possible and established in the institution its present high standard of accomplishment he has won a worthy reputation as one of the great leaders of his race widely known and much respected at home and abroad as an accomplished educator a great orator and a true philanthropist what steady and gratifying advances have been made here during the past fifteen years a personal inspection of the material equipment strikingly proves the fundamental plan of the original undertaking has been steadily followed but new features have been added gaps in the course of instruction have been filled in the patronage and resources have been largely increased until even the legislative department of the state of alabama recognize the worth of the work and of the great opportunities here afforded from one small frame house the institution has grown until it includes the fine group of dormitories recitation rooms lecture halls and workshops which have so surprised and delighted us today a thousand students i am told are here cared for by nearly a hundred teachers altogether forming with the preparatory department a symmetrical scholastic community which has been well called a model for the industrial colored schools of the south certain it is that a pupil bent on fitting himself or herself for mechanical work can have the widest choice of useful and domestic occupations one thing i like about this institution is that its policy has been generous and progressive it has not been so self-centered or interested in its own pursuit and ambitions as to ignore what is going on in the rest of the country or make it difficult for outsiders to share the local advantages i allude especially to the spirit in which the annual conferences have been held 
by leading colored citizens and educators with the intention of improving the condition of their less fortunate brothers and sisters. Here we can see is an immense field and one which cannot too soon or too carefully be utilized. The conferences have grown in popularity and are well calculated not only to encourage colored men and colored women in their individual efforts, but to cultivate and promote an amicable relationship between the two races, a problem whose solution was never more needed than at the present time. Patience, moderation, self-control, knowledge, character will surely win you victories and realize the best aspirations of your people. An evidence of the soundness of the purpose of this institution is that those in charge of its management evidently do not believe in attempting the unattainable, and their instruction in self-reliance and practical industry is most valuable. In the day and night schools many branches can be taught at a small expense, which will give the men and the women who have mastered them immediate employment and secure their success afterwards, provided they abide by the principles of industry, morality, and religion here inculcated. In common with the Hampton Institute in Virginia, the Tuskegee Institute has been and is today of inestimable value in sowing the seeds of good citizenship. Institutions of their standing and worthy patronage form a steadier and more powerful agency for the good of all concerned than any yet proposed or suggested. The practical is here associated with the academic, which encourages both learning and industry. Here you learn to master yourselves, find the best adaptation of your faculties with advantages for advanced learning to meet the high duties of life. No country, epoch or race has a monopoly upon knowledge. Some have easier but not necessarily better opportunities for self-development. What a few can obtain free most have to pay for, perhaps by hard physical labor, mental struggle and self-denial. But in this great country all can have the opportunity for bettering themselves, provided they exercise intelligence and perseverance, and their motives and conduct are worthy. Nowhere are such facilities for universal education found as in the United States. They are accessible by every boy and girl, white and black. Integrity and industry are the best possessions which any man can have and every man can have them. Nobody can give them to him or take them from him. He cannot acquire them by inheritance. He cannot buy them or beg them or borrow them. They belong to the individual and are his unquestioned property. He alone can part with them. They are a good thing to have and keep. They make happy homes. They achieve success in every walk of life. They have won the greatest triumphs for mankind. No man who has them ever gets into the police court or before the grand jury or in the workhouse or in the chain gang. They give one moral and material power. 
they will bring you a comfortable living, make you respect yourself and command the respect of your fellows. They are indispensable to success. They are invincible. The merchant requires the clerk whom he employs to have them. The railroad corporation inquires whether the man seeking employment possesses them. Every avenue of human endeavor welcomes them. They are the only keys to open with certainty the door of opportunity to struggling manhood. Employment waits on them. Capital requires them. Citizenship is not good without them. If you do not already have them, get them. To the pupils here assembled, I extend my especial congratulations that the facilities for advancing afforded to them are so numerous and so inviting. Those who are here for the time being have the reputation of the institution in charge and should, therefore, be all the more careful to guard it worthily. Others who have gone before you have made great sacrifices to reach the present results. What you do will affect not only those who come after you here, but many men and women whom you may never meet. The result of your training and work here will eventually be felt, either directly or indirectly, in nearly every part of the country. Most of you are young, and youth is the time best fitted for development, both of the body and mind. Whatever you do, do with all your might, with will and purpose, not of the selfish kind, but looking to benefit your race and your country. In comparing the past with the present, you should be especially grateful that it has been your good fortune to come with the influences of such an institution as that of Tuskegee, and that you are under the guidance of such a strong leader. I thank him most cordially for the pleasure of visiting this institution, and I bring to all here associated my good will and the best wishes of your countrymen, wishing you the realization of success in whatever undertakings that may hereafter engage you. Secretary Long said, Mr. President and students, I cannot make a speech to you today. My heart is too full, full of hope admiration and pride for my countrymen of both sections and both colors. I am filled with gratitude and admiration for your work and from this time forward I shall have absolute confidence in your progress and in the solution of the problem in which you are engaged. The problem, I say, has been solved. A picture has been presented today which should be put upon canvas with the pictures of Washington and Lincoln and transmitted to future time and generations, a picture which the press of the country should spread broadcast over the land, a most dramatic picture, and that picture is this, the President of the United States standing on this platform, on one side, the Governor of Alabama, on the other, completing the Trinity, a representative of a race only a few years ago in bondage, the colored president of the Tuskegee Normal and Industrial Institute. God bless the president under whose majesty such a scene 
as that is presented to the American people. God bless the state of Alabama, which is showing that it can deal with this problem for itself. God bless the orator, philanthropist, and disciple of the great master, who, if he were on earth, would be doing the same work. Booker T. Washington Postmaster General Smith closed this following. We have witnessed many spectacles within the last few days. We have seen the magnificent grandeur and the magnificent achievements of one of the great metropolitan cities of the South. We have seen heroes of the war pass by in procession. We have seen floral parades. But I am sure my colleagues will agree with me saying that we have witnessed no spectacle more impressive and more encouraging, more inspiring for our future than that which we have witnessed here this morning. I have thought as I sat here this morning of two men, two great men, two great educators. One of them was the founder and creator of the Hampton Institute in Virginia, and the other is the real creator and founder and preeminent head of this great industrial institution of the South. General Armstrong did a work which cannot be measured by the breadth of his philanthropy, the greatness of his unselfishness, and the extent of his power in educating a people. We have for years mourned his lamented death. His memory will be preserved among that of the great benefactors of our people and our government. In the future, though long may that time be distant so far as relates to the head of this institution, in the distant future, we shall be ready to erect in the capital of the nation, among the heroes of our country, among those who have contributed to its upbuilding and to its salvation, we shall be ready to erect a monument to those two great philanthropists and leaders of this people, General Armstrong and Booker T. Washington. I cannot close this chapter without adding a reference to the great pleasure and satisfaction given by the part the white and colored citizens of the town of Tuskegee took in this recognition of the school. A few years before this I had gone to Tuskegee unknown and entirely without means, but no white people in any part of America could have acted more cordially and cooperated more heartily with our school than did the white people of Tuskegee upon this occasion. They organized various committees, composed of both men and women, to help us in giving the president the proper reception. The town, from one end to the other, was decorated with the national colors, to say nothing of many beautiful arches and other forms of decorations. One of the many newspaper correspondents who accompanied the president remarked to me that he had never seen in any town of the size such generous and appropriate decorations. What the President and his party thought of this visit to the Tuskegee Normal and Industrial Institute can be best told by the following letter, received from the Secretary to the President. Executive Mansion, Washington, December 23, 1899. Dear Sir, by this mail I take pleasure in sending you engrossed copies of the souvenir of the visit of the President to your institution. These sheets bear the autographs of the President and the members of the Cabinet who accompanied him on the trip. Let me take this opportunity of congratulating you most heartily 
and sincerely upon the great success of the exercises provided for and entertainment furnished us under your auspices during our visit to tuskegee every feature of the program was perfectly executed and was viewed as participated in with the heartiest satisfaction by every visitor present the unique exhibition which you gave of your pupils engaged in their industrial vocations was not only artistic but thoroughly impressive the tribute paid by the president and his cabinet to your work was none too high and forms a most encouraging augury i think for the future prosperity of your institution i cannot close without assuring you that the modesty shown by yourself in the exercises was most favorably commented upon by all the members of our party with best wishes for the continued advance of your most useful and patriotic undertaking kind personal regards and the compliments of the season believe me always very sincerely yours john addison porter secretary to the president to president booker t washington tuskegee normal and industrial institute tuskegee alabama the impression which this visit of the president members of the cabinet and other distinguished visitors made upon the teachers and students of the tuskegee institute cannot be overestimated it inspired the teachers and students with new life and hope not only in the work of the present but in that of the future it did more it inspired the older members of the community black and white with new and higher purposes in the hard battle of life it made us all feel as we had never felt before that we were in a higher and nobler sense citizens of the great republic and that the president of the united states was our president in soberness and truth as much as he was of the people of larger and more pretentious communities than ours end of chapter sixteen